Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Hi guys, you all right? Yeah, like I said, I'm Alex. Um, I came to York about five years ago. I came to uni. I went to the best uni in York. That is York St. John, and that is not up for dispute. And I will fight you on it later if you want. But I might run away, actually. Um, Yeah, so yeah, came to York for uni. I went to York St. John, did youth and community work. Graduated two years ago, worked in the school for a bit. Now working in what is arguably, there is an argument because someone else does own a cafe, best cafe currently in Poppleton. Poppleton Social. There you go, that's my boss up there. (laughs) Great pizzas, by the way. So yeah, I'm going to be talking about being real. And being real is all about being genuine and authentic. It's not enough to say it, you have to show it. And to show others the real you, you're going to have to be real with yourself. And it's an ouch, it really does hurt having to be real with yourself. So my first point is, when you're real with yourself, you'll learn to accept who you are. And like I said, it won't be easy, because you're probably going to find out some things about yourself that you don't like. But it's why it's so tempting to put on a show and put on a front. It's like, you want to show everyone that you've got everything under control, that you know what you're doing all the time. It's not true. We all know it's not true, but we still do it. Everyone wants to tell a great story or a funny joke, but eventually, those stories run out, and those jokes stop being funny. Putting up a front only works for so long. Dave Willis says, we can temporarily impress people by being fake, but we can permanently impact people by being real. I want to have a permanent impact in this world. I don't want to just be fake and just be something that goes to the side. So if you're going to be real, you're going to have to accept that you are not perfect. And you know what? There's actually so much freedom in not being perfect. Because trying to be perfect is just pressure. And it's pressure eventually you won't be able to handle and you're going to crack. So there's freedom in that not being perfect. But to show that imperfection, you're going to have to be vulnerable. Vulnerable is a word I used to absolutely hate. Because to me, being vulnerable was being weak. And I never wanted to show weakness to anybody. Because I was scared, is the truth. I was scared that if I showed somebody all my flaws, all my weaknesses, every little thing that I've ever been ashamed of, they just look at me like, who are you? It's like, you are pathetic. It's like, I don't want to be around you. What good are you? But I was wrong. I realized, because I kind of got challenged on it by a leader, I had a choice. Show who I am or keep living the lie. And showing who I am was the best thing I could have done. Because the imperfect me is exactly who I am supposed to be. And it's the same for all of you. The imperfect you is exactly who God made you to be. It says in Romans, but God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son to die for the imperfect you. And if that's not good enough, I'm not sure whatever will be. So he sent his son to die. Do you reckon we could be brave enough to show who we really are? Because my point number two is, when you're real with other people, they will surprise you. When you take that step of being brave, because it's not weakness showing that vulnerability, it's braveness. It takes real bravery to go, this is me. You usually think how it's all going to go wrong. Are they going to laugh at me? Are they going to think I'm weird? 
everybody already knows you're a little bit weird. <laughs> you can't really hide it. Most people actually like you more for it because they'll look at you and go, oh, we can be weird together. <laughs> That's someone who shares that thing I'm weird with. And people really like that. So you'll find that someone who likes the same interests as you, the same films, the same weird game you played as a kid, someone else probably played it. And they'll be like, oh, we're now friends. I want to be friends with you. Because showing the real you creates trust. It makes the other person realize that you value them enough to be yourself. And people always respond to that. People always respond when they are valued. And it's how you start to build great relationships. It says in Proverbs 17, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. I want that kind of relationship with people. I want the type of relationship where they are always going to be on my side. The type of relationship where someone loves you, they support you, they encourage you, they help you out. Yeah, they will criticize you, but that criticism is never to bring you down. It's always to help you grow and build. There's one other person that you need to be real with. You've got yourself, you've got others, but it's God. When you're real with God, he will amaze you with just how far he can take you. You've probably already heard Jeremiah 29, 11, and he's already referenced it this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Yeah. Great news that already, isn't it? We have a great plan for our life. I like making plans, but I'm not very good at following them through. But I know that God will help me get there. So it goes on to say in Jeremiah, then you will call on me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me, when you seek me with all your heart. The great news is there's a plan. Even better news, God's listening to you, so he knows where you are at. He knows to get to this point in the plan, you need to do this step, then this step, then this step. It's like seeing the big end picture plan, like the big end goal, can be intimidating. It's like, I'm not ready for that. I have no idea how to get there. But again, God's got it covered. In Philippians, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's one of my favorite scriptures because it's basically saying, you are a work in progress. God started with you and he's no intention of stopping. It's like, he's not quitting on you, so don't quit on him. Because if you let him, you'll be stretched, you'll be challenged, and you will be convicted but you'll also grow in ways that you never could have seen possible. Five years ago, before I, when I came to uni, if you told me I'd have been here, I wouldn't have believed you. I'd have probably been sat in a corner going, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'm scared. What if people laugh at me? I don't mind. I've got tough enough skin. You all, I know people, are, people will laugh at me, hopefully. It's because you found what I said funny sometimes. If not, I'll deal with it. So yeah. When you learn to trust God and get that relationship and that real relationship with him, with him, is exactly what you need every single time. So yeah, the stretch, the challenge, the conviction. But that relationship with God, it also gives you peace, gives you hope, love, forgiveness, acceptance, passion, purpose. It says in Psalm 37, the Lord guides us in the way we should go and protects those who please him. So it doesn't matter if you're scared or weird or amazing, well, you are amazing. It doesn't matter what you do, because when you're doing what God's got planned, he's on your side, and he's got your back. He wants you to have a great life, but he wants you to have that great life with other people. Yeah. And the only way you can have that is if you're being real. 
So it's the good, the bad, the ugly. Because when people see the real you, they'll see a real God. And that God who loves them for all the imperfect awesomeness that is you. So I really, really, really do hope that you can go out and be real with people because it is amazing and weird is good. Oh, awesome, Alex. I'll try and be real then. It doesn't have to be perfect. Great. <laughs> so I'm Anna. Um, I'm married to Andy here. And I'd just like to say I do not dress him. <laughs> and we have three kids. I've got enough kids to dress. Um, anyway, I'm um, going to talk about being relational. So in Global, we are all about relationships and we're all about being relational. And hopefully a lot of you have been to dinner parties where the whole purpose of dinner parties is that, you know, it's fostering us being relational with, with one another. Um, and we are created to be in relationship with others. Um, and we all know that uh, relationships, they, you know, the obvious thing is that they provide support for each other. That's kind of, you know, through the good and bad times, we're in relationship to provide support. But also, um, relationships are the catalyst for us to do loads of other cool stuff in life, such as um, uh, learn, grow, explore, achieve goals, cultivate new talents, experience new things, broaden our horizons, build our resources, and they give us purpose and meaning in life. Um, and even, I was uh, doing a bit of research, I did psychology as a degree, and I was looking back at sort of social psychology, which, which was sort of one of my favorite uh, modules. And loads of research shows that people who have um, like good quality relationships are actually physically healthier as well. So um, this is obviously not the rule for everybody, but they tend to have healthier lives, live longer, have healthier diets, more active lifestyle. So relationships basically are powerful. Um, and they affect all our lives. And whether we like it or not, we all have relationships. <laughs> we all have relationships with other people. Um, and just on a bit of a personal note, I think this is true in my life. And I was thinking back again to being at uni. And I think it's almost like the more time I spend with other people in my life, the happier that I've been and the more fulfilled I've been. So I think back to uni and I think I was away from my family and I wasn't in contact with them as much. I was away from all my friends from home. I had uni mates, but the relationship that I had with them was probably quite um, shallow in a lot of ways, <laughs> probably based on drinking in a lot of ways. <laughs> so I wasn't, I didn't have the uh, as deeper relationships as I was used to in kind of my childhood and teenage years. And I sort of found myself at uni thinking, crikey, like, I'm not like depressed or like, you know, I'm not, I'm functioning per perfectly well, but actually, Looking back, I was kind of maybe edging into a bit of social anxiety. And, you know, like, you can kind of feel yourself thinking, hang on a minute, this this is not me now. This is becoming a bit of a thing. So, anyway, I thought, well, I better do something about it. And actually ended up coming to church, basically. Um, I'd gone to church as a kid and thought, well, I was, you know, that was a really happy time in my life. I'll go to a church. So I found Global. And in Global, I found people basically and friends and not that I didn't have friends before but you know those that kind of deep those deep relationships started to really form in my life um you know there were people that people were for me and not pulling me down 
they were encouraging me, they were interested in me and who I was and my dreams and passions. And they were also interesting people with, you know, a few things going on that was quite cool. And they were real like a lot of like go-getting people. Um, people that were full of purpose, that were secure, confident, and then also leaders in my life who, um, you know, coached me and mentored me and told me things that I probably didn't want to hear <laughs> at the time and, you know, steered me away from icebergs <laughs> and bad decisions. And I can honestly say that through relationships, I am a totally different person now. Like Alex was saying, I'm like a changed, like, just totally different, as I'm sure, to how my, my the trajectory of my life would have gone. It's a totally different place to how it is now. Um, but, I mean, right in this talk, I'm challenging myself as well to be like, am I, I've got to ask myself the question, am I keeping on top of my relationships? If, if you know, Am I keeping them up? Am I putting the effort in? Am I valuing my relationships as much as I could do? Because they're so important. They're so important to each and every one of us. And um, I fully believe that it is, it's a choice, I think. I think um, people skills can be learnt and everybody can be a people person, <laughs> I think. Um, you know, you might be sat thinking, well, I'm not very good with people. I never know what to say or I always say the wrong thing. But the good news is <laughs> that we are all insecure. <laughs> Like, similar to what Alex was saying again, it's like everybody thinks that, everybody thinks that about themselves. And so, um, you can, there's ways to go about learning those skills of how to sort of build those strong relationships with other people. So, I've got um, a few verses from Romans uh, 12, and it's 9 to 16, and the title of it, could we have it all in one block or not? It doesn't matter if not. <laughs> the title of it is, uh, in the NIV version is love in action, which I think is, is I just love it. I think it's, uh, it's a bit like a manual of um, how to build good relationships and how to build community. Um, so it says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. And so, and I, so I see that bit as, um, you know, you're wanting to cling to good in other people's lives as well as your own so it's easy to sort of be thinking about me and my own and you know clinging to what's good and hating evil things that happen to you but actually it, it's extending that to others and really being passionate and devoted in love um to one another and really passionately um you know being loving people enough to have have hard conversations with them to say like you know i can see this evil <laughs> in, you know, it's looming, let's steer away from that, come on, like, I'll be with you, I'll stick with you, and I'll stay with you, I'm here for you, and it's being devoted to love each other enough to have those conversations, those hard conversations, um, honour one another above yourselves, so, a Shelley, <laughs> I got this from Shelley, and I, I always think about it, because it helps me when people are annoying me, because <laughs> I'm sure I annoy others, but undoubtedly, People are annoying at times, and they really piss you off. <laughs> and so <laughs> I always have to think, we're all children of God, right? So I'm a child of God. Each and every one of you is a child of God, and he's our father. <laughs> and so I think when I am tempted to uh, dishonor somebody, you know, like it, not honor them, I kind of think, well, the dad's watching. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, they're a kid. They're a child of God as much as I am. And 
dad's watching. <laughs> and so when I treat other people, it's kind of like, how would I want my kids to be treated? I know that if somebody cuts against my kids, I am. <laughs> I am on it. And so I just think, how would I want my tr tr kids to be treated? And it, that's kind of a guide that I use anyway. Um, so then it goes on to say, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And zeal just means, the, <laughs> the uh, definition is have, having great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. And so that, to me, just means love people with great energy and enthusiasm, basically. Um, and then being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So it's being hope in somebody's life, not diminishing the challenges and struggles, but helping them to see silver linings and painting a better future for people. You, c you sometimes can't relate to what they're going through, but there will be positives. And if not, it's prayer, <laughs> because... We're that we can be that hope in other people's lives, and that forms relationships. If you're, uh, if you're a hope in my life, I want to be around you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be your friend, basically. Um, uh, so going on, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. So again, it's not, well, I'm okay. You know, you'll be fine as well, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it's, you know, we're all called to be stewards of our possessions and our finances, so it's passing that on to people who are in need. Practicing hospitality is the same. It's, you know, if you want to be friends with someone, have them around to your house. <laughs> it's quite an easy, it's a good guide. I just find this is a really, like, practical step. Um, and dinner parties is all about that. It's practicing hospitality. Um, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So it's not tit for tat. <laughs> Kill them with kindness. Um... And then uh, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And again, in dinner parties, so we love to celebrate, you know, birthdays, exam results, um, promotions, anniversaries, anything like that. It's seizing that chance to celebrate with somebody. Um, and then mourning, uh, you know, it's just being there for, the, for them if you can't, or empathizing with what they're going through. And then a good guide again is what do people, what do your dinner party say? What do they talk about? What do they cry about? What do they dream about? What do they laugh about? And what are they planning? And then living in harmony with one another is taking a responsibility for when things don't go well in relationships, that you, you take it upon yourself to go and sort it out, go and speak to that person, and say, right, it's not right between us. This is my take on it. What's your take? What can I do to repair our relationship? We call it, at work, we call it courageous conversations because <laughs> they're not easy and they do take, you know, sometimes you have to have a pair of balls to go and talk to someone who there's awkwardness between you and you don't, that's not, you don't want to go and approach them, but that healthy relational community is full of people who will do that and put themselves and their own wishes to one side to go and make it right and live in harmony with one another. But just in finishing, um, the game changer. So the real game changer for me when I came to church was that, you know, people and relationships are, are, are the best, but the real, the twist and the real thing that gives anybody fulfillment is a relationship with God. And the, uh, the thing I found with people were pointing me towards back towards God. I drifted away from him. And 
Because when you're secure with God, you realize that despite all your failings and everything that you get so wrong, you know, the creator of the universe, <laughs> the king of kings, the lord of lords, um, he's like, he cares so much about me and like how my little old me, <laughs> pathetic in so many ways, that he would come down to earth and die a brutal <laughs> death on the cross for me even if I was the only person left on the earth, and you think, crikey, when that actually sinks in, you think, well, I don't actually give a rip about what other people think about me. They could think I'm awesome or not awesome or that I've got something to give or I haven't got something to give. They can appreciate me or not appreciate me. In one sense, I don't really care <laughs> anymore because I know that God Almighty loves me to pieces and he would die for me e even before I knew him or before I would even ask him to. And you think, I don't need anybody else to tell me who I am because I know who I am. I'm loved, valued, precious, forgiven. I'm a daughter of the king. <laughs> and so a relationship with God is the absolute game changer. And it makes me want others to experience the richest richness of a relationship with God and have life to its fullest. I'm desperate to now help people so they can have what I have, fulfillment, purpose, a bright future, and the strength to face whatever happens to me. And I know that the more I invest into those relationships, the more it will benefit me too. So why would we not? Grand. How good were those two, eh? Can you take a little bit more? Good, because I'm going to go even if you say no, so it's fine. Um, my name's Matt, if we've not met. Um, I'm part of the Barbican Church. Um, oh, no one's got thank goodness. <laughs> Flip me, that was going to be awkward then. And... Uh, <laughs> We meet on a Monday night, and uh, we, we're trying to we're getting ready for freshers at the moment, which is going to be amazing. We're going to be hitting York St. John and that other uni that Alex somewhat referred to a little bit, but we don't need to talk about them too much. No, York Uni, and uh, we're going to be we're going to be seeing hundreds of students coming in. You better believe that. But I'm going to talk about relevant, and I don't know about you, but I've spent all of my 30 years of life so far on this desperate quest trying to be relevant, and that has meant that I have changed everything that I am multiple times. So in primary school, all my friends were little nerds who like tried their best to get 100. Our aim constantly was to get 100% in every test. And if you didn't, you were like outcast from the group. So that's who I became, this little geek who like put, tortured myself over spelling, which if any of you have ever read anything I've written, knows that that didn't work out. <laughs> um, terrible. But then I went to secondary school and all my primary school friends went somewhere else. So I went there. And suddenly it was all about like skateboarding to hardcore shows where the bands were terrible, but you could punch people in the face in a mosh pit and it was all right. So that's who I then became. And then I finished secondary school and decided I didn't want to do A-level. So I went to college and uh, college was all about like graffiti and grime MCs, going to dubstep raves in car parks. Um, this, none of this is a lie. This is exactly what I did. And then uni, I went to uni and I suddenly became this like full-time movie buff who had this obsession with aggressive hip-hop music and that's kind of still who I am today. And, uh, and I'm sure you haven't been quite as drastic as that, but all of us in this, in this search to be relevant and this search to be real and relational with people, we bend and shift and, and, and sort of try and maneuver ourselves to try and be a person who can relate to that group of people that we're on. And we, if, it's anything, if you're anything like me, 
you'll know that that can be a real strenuous journey sometimes, constantly trying to change who you are. We've, we've kind of got relevance as this thing where we speak the right lingo, dress the right way, be familiar with the right music and movies, be involved in the right social media causes, hang out with the right people in the right places, eating the right food, drinking the right drinks, and having the right hairstyle, and most importantly, being familiar with all the current trends. And for us, relevance is not that. Relevance isn't any of those things. All of those things are great tools to open up relationships with people, but relevance is all about loving people. And then, um, if you want the best example of all time, it's this 30-year-old carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles ago away. We mention him quite a lot. He's called Jesus, right? And uh, he's this awesome guy. It says this in John 1:14 that he put flesh and blood on and moved into the neighborhood. And that sentence summarizes the entirety of relevance for us at Global. Jesus is the most relevant person ever without having to change anything about himself. Like if he walked in now, I wouldn't go, that's a guy I want to go drinking with. He's got like a tunic on, he's got long hair, uh, probably got some splinters, stinks a little bit. He's definitely wearing sandals. I wouldn't be thinking that guy's relevant to today's modern culture, but his ability to love people was far more relevant than any of us will ever be, but it's what we're aspiring to. You see, he moved in. He moved in. He left one culture, the culture of heaven, and he moved all the way down to earth, and he started taking on everything. He dressed like them, spoke like them, went to all their parties, went to their weddings, drunk what they drank, gave better wine than they did. Like, he did all these things to open up relationships. He never once tried to make the gospel cool. He never tried to make the gospel relevant, but he used all those things to unpack its relevance to people where they were at and in that moment. And that for us is what relevance is. It's about exposing this gospel that we've got and using whatever tool it is to communicate it in a way that that person can understand for the first time. We're called to move into the neighborhoods and dwell amongst people. And that, if that's not a challenge for you, then you're a way better human than me. Because I like to move in sort of one foot in, like as in I'm good over here so I can still have my nights in where no one can bother me, but when it's convenient for me, I'll be relevant to you. Or where it's a nice bar that I like, I'll put my foot in that one. But if you go into that bar I don't like or listening to that music that I'm not sure on, then maybe I'll back out a little bit. But Jesus just didn't have that in him. He was everywhere where people were. He was in every location that he could possibly be to reach out and be relevant to people. Let me give you one more scripture and a couple of points, and then I'll hand, so hand over to Chance. It says this in 1 Corinthians 19, 23. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those who I meet into a God-saved life. I did this all because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And that is relevance. Being a servant to anyone in, in whatever sphere of life they're in, adapting yourself or using whatever it is in your toolkit to get enter into their world in a relational way and then expose the gospel to them in a way that they can hear it. Let me give you three things in the one minute that I've got left, and that's a lie because I'm definitely going over. <laughs> Not too much, though. 
Relevance is a lifestyle. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Relevance is about being current. Not as in current with all the trends of the latest thing, because they change constantly, but being current with people. Relevance is knowing the heartbeat of humanity. It's actually knowing the people you're around. How can you possibly love someone that you only meet once every two months? You can't do it, because you'll, you'll sit down with them and go, how's that going? Yeah, that, I sorted that six weeks ago. I've got a whole fresh batch of problems we need to talk about now. And uh, so relevance is about loving people constantly and continually. It's a lifestyle. It's not a three-point plan. It's a lifestyle where you're there for people constantly, opening your life up so that they open theirs up as well. Paul would have been relevant in a totally different way to every different group of people. You can't be the same relevant to a religious person and a non-religious. You can't be the same relevant to a moralist or an immoralist. You can't be relevant to someone who's really successful or really not successful the same way. See, there's not like one way of being relevant constantly. We have to change and adapt our relevancy to whoever we meet. And that's our challenge as global as we reach out to people. Which leads me on to my second point. Relevance is always personal. It's not dressing or living a certain way or enjoying a certain type of music. It's about serving and being there for that person in that moment where they're at. There's not one size that fits all when it comes to being relevant. Do you know there was like kids on a rubbish dump um, a while ago who really needed someone to be relevant for them. And it took an aging nun who no one had ever heard of called Mother Teresa. And her idea of relevance was just going in and loving them the way a mother should have because they didn't have it. That's awesome. But if she'd have tried that with like a high-flying, really successful, multi-billionaire star athlete, and she walked into their office smelling like the rubbish dump she'd just been on, I don't think it would have worked the same way. Do you see what I mean? So per, you have to be, your relevance has to be personal to the person that you're walking through, which means you actually have to know them. <laughs> you actually have to be in the world more than five minutes in order to determine what that relevance is. And relevance is it's all about who you are for people. I didn't just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. It's not about being able to do something. It's just to be about being available for people. And I guess if I want to leave you with one challenge, one challenge about being relevant, it's not, can you please learn the top three selling albums this month so that at any given time you have something to talk around in the office. It's not, it's not like, learn what five films are the best, greatest films. It's not, can you change your entire outfit so that when you walk into a certain place, people think, oh, that's a cool person, I'll go and talk to him. My one challenge, if there is one, when it comes to being relevant is, are you available to be inconvenienced? Because that is relevant. That is being relevant. Is your ability to be constantly inconvenienced. If you watch Jesus' life, it was never on his terms. And I'm sure it was because he's God. But all the time he was getting pulled and, and tugged and moved all over the place. And he, and he had to be relevant in different ways. He was on his way somewhere. And then someone said, I've got a dead child. Can you come and have... And he's like, yep, yeah, all right then. And he's changing the relevance. He can't be the same person heading there as he was over there. And he's changing that relevance because he's available to be inconvenienced. Relevant isn't neat. It isn't tidy. But it's always worth it. You've, we've all heard Dave say before that there's no impact without... There's no, yeah, impact without contact. And relevance, being relevant in people's lives 
is that initial impact that opens, it's the initial contact that opens up the impact, the gospel into their heart that totally changes and transforms everything that they are. That's me, done. Shans. Wow. How good are all these? I, I kind of don't want to go up now. <laughs> I'm like, just leave it at that, that's fine. Because <laughs> it's been so good. Like, you could just walk away now and you'd have so much. But I'm going to be talking about robust. And um, there was three questions that came to mind about robust. What does it mean? What does it actually mean? Why is it important? Why have we got it as part of our values? And how can we be more robust? So in seven minutes, or 37 minutes, I'm going to try and uh, answer these questions. Uh, and for those of you who don't know me, sorry, I didn't know we were introducing ourselves. My name is Chantel, and I'm married to Tom. And um, yes, we're part of the leadership team here. So I'm really glad, actually, um, uh, Alex, <laughs> that you talked about being real, because I'm very different to everyone who's just got up. I'm a little bit ditzy, okay, so stay with me. I'm a little bit kind of, but stay with me, I promise, I hope it'll be good, okay? So, number one, what is being robust? Now, being in this church, I thought everyone kind of knew the word robust, but I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing a talk on robust, and she went, what is it? And I was like, oh, I don't, like, oh, okay, people don't know what robust is. So I kind of looked it up at the d d dictionary definition. And it says someone who is very strong or healthy. And that is the dictionary definition of being robust. So <clears throat> somebody or something that is very strong or healthy. And I think, especially in church life and as talking about somebody, it's about being robust of the mind. Are you strong and are you healthy in your mind? Um, it's being able to keep going when life throws things at you. And as you know, like for us as a family, we've had things thrown at us. If you don't know, uh, Tom, my husband, got sepsis and almost died. But then he came back to life. Woohoo! And then, uh, <laughs> and then he had, <laughs> and then he had uh, two leg amputations. So it's been pretty tough for us as a family. And a lot of people um, inside church, Outside of church, we've had the same kind of questions and said, oh, like, how have you done it? How have you kept going? How have you not spiraled down in, you know, your emotions and thoughts? How have you not asked the questions? Why us? It's not fair. I want to go back to life before this. And I think it's normal to have um, questions and to have thoughts and to have feelings that are like that. And being robust is not having those thoughts. I think that's normal to have them. But what robust is, is not dwelling on those thoughts, is not parking up and wallowing in kind of um, things that you can't change neither. Um, you need to be aware of the thoughts that you have and you need to start to take captive of them. You know, the Bible says, um, in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take, hang on, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what does taking captive mean? Um, it means not getting on the train. 
Because every thought is like a train. Every good thought, every bad thought is like a train. And it pulls up to the station and you've got to decide whether to get on it or to not get on it or to ride it by. The train's going to come because they, are, they do come. Every thoughts do come. That's normal. That's fine. But it's up to you whether to get on the thought and ride it and dwell in that emotion or to step back and say, ride on by. Um, and how do we do that? We do that with scripture. So when you think you can't do it and you say, oh, no, what am I going to do? I'm too weak to do this. I can't do this. We go to Philippians 4, verse 13. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We go to Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'll go before you, says the Lord. We go to scriptures. At Vision Night, Dave handed out some... um, Uh, post-it notes for that very reason to write on scriptures to write on things that will help us to step back and go no let the train just ride on by because you know what um god's not left me god's not forsaken me it's um this is where i am and i'll get i'll get to that a bit later but i'll say it now though because it's it's not about just thinking it once the reason why we write it down is because we've got to meditate on it. We've got to think it all the time. You've got to learn it, learn the scriptures so you can recall them to mind and go, nope, right, it says in there, it says somewhere in the Bible, this scripture. So, <clears throat> and it's not just for, so I was thinking about this, you know, not everyone goes through a big, major, life-changing experience. Not everyone goes through um, big hardships. People just get on with life. And that is sometimes the worst place where we can get these little mind monsters, where we can get these little thoughts, you know, everyday situations that you have with people. If you're in relationship with people, you are going to have this. You will get offended because people are just people at the end of the day. Um, I got a story. I was 14 and I was part of a band and uh, I used to play second keyboards in the band. I wasn't good enough for first, so I played second. (laughs) Yeah. In my defense, actually, the people who did play first keyboards have gone on to, like, write, like, write adverts and gone on to, like, write music for, like, some pretty good stuff. But at 14, I was a bit like, whatever. And and so, uh, yeah, so at the age of 14, I played second keyboards. You know, first keyboards were all about beautiful, you know, sounds, piano sounds, you could hear them. Second keyboards all about, ah just ambience, nothing really, can't even, not even really there. But there was one song that had a second key solo, okay? It had a synth solo. I can still remember. I could play you it now. I still remember the solo. It's amazing, okay? And uh, every time we did this song, I'd be like, yes, practice my little heart out, would do this solo, amazing. One day, the worship leader said to me, quite publicly as well, can you, can you just turn Shamps down? Just a bit loud. Oh, exactly. Oh, oh tell you. Uh, uh, what? And then she turned to the guitarist and said, can you learn it? Oh, my goodness. The guitarist, who, well, I don't know if I should name drop well. It's not really big now, but who was Gareth Gates at the time. I was like, what has he got that I don't have? My solo is amazing. So I know, I know. What sympathy, please? So anyway... Um, the, the feelings that I felt then is what a lot of people can feel. I was so mad. I was like, fine, 
I'll take my talents elsewhere. I'll go somewhere where I am appreciated. I'll go somewhere where I'm loved, where they want good things for me. They don't want to keep me down. They see my talents. And offence came to me. And I think you've got to make a decision when offence comes. Because offence does come. It's another train that will come. And you've got to decide whether to get on it or to come off. You've got to decide whether to have trust or suspicion. Suspicion says she's against me. She's always been against me. She wants me out of the band. She's just edging me out. She doesn't really like me anyways. She's never wanted me to be a part of it. Um, And then I can ring people up and say, you'll never believe what happened. you never believe what the worship leader or whoever said to me. And then you start to get other people in. And before you know it, you're on this train of emotions for a week, for a month, for a year where you're just dwelling and festering in your own kind of, you'll never believe what's happened. Or <clears throat> you can have trust, which says, do you know what, Chantel? <laughs> maybe I'm not just very, maybe I'm not very good. <laughs> maybe someone is better than me, and that's okay. Maybe I need to get lessons. Maybe she's got the overall sound, and actually guitar would sound better than synth. Maybe she wants to create something new, and and vibrant and make it different this time round when we play the song. Maybe it's not about me. (laughs) Maybe it's just about the overall sound. Or maybe she did get it wrong. Um, But do you know what? She's human, and humans get it wrong, and she deserves some grace if she does. So, I mean, that's just a silly little story, which is true, by the way, (laughs) and I have got over it now. But (laughs) But for you... You might have those thoughts, and it's really important, on my third point, it's really important that, we, that when you have those thoughts, you don't get on the train, because it says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks, so he is. Yeah. So if you think those thoughts, if you think resentful thoughts, if you think bitter thoughts, guess what? You're going to become resentful, and you're going to become bitter in your attitude. So... I encourage you, which Tom hates this phrase, I encourage you to not get on the train, let it go by, because why is robust on our values? Because we want a church who is strong and healthy in mind, not bitter and resentful. So very quickly, sorry, I'm kind of a bit over, but very quickly, what can we do to become robust? So I've already said it, don't dwell on your circumstances or your negative thoughts, but it says in Philippians 4 verse 8, Um, focus and dwell on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, um, whatever is a good report, whatever is virtue, and whatever is praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Keep thinking on these things because the peace of God will be with you. So if you want peace in your life, then keep meditating on those things. To be robust, you've got to focus on the good and the positive rather than the negative. Um, and I've just got a few more scriptures. You know, if you're thinking thoughts like, oh, I'm such a loser, um, nobody really likes me, Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you're thinking, who am I? I've, I'm nothing. You know, Romans 8 verse 17 says, I am a co-heir with Christ. If you're thinking, oh, I'm just at the bottom of the pile, my job, there's nothing, um, I, I can't move up. Deuteronomy 8 verse 13 says, I am the head and not the tail. So... <clears throat> You know, to be robust is about holding on to those scriptures. It's about stepping away from the train. When the train, the thought, 
swings by in your head because everybody gets them. Everybody thinks like that, like what Anna was saying. Everybody thinks, oh, no, I'm not good at talking to people. But don't get on the train. Use scripture and let it ride you by. So that is being robust. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 